Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. Welcome to our podcast where we cover business in the news and answer some of your business legal questions that you, the listener, can send in to ask at LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com. Welcome. My name is Nasser Pasha. And I'm Matt Staub. I don't know why I'm very excited about this episode, mainly because we get to make fun of another attorney. I think that's I think that's what it is. Yeah, you do enjoy that, so I can see why, you, why you're excited <laughs> for this. And I think this has actually gained some... People people heard about this. I don't know in the, in the past week. Maybe by, by the time this episode comes out, may, more people have heard of it, and there's more of a resolution to it. But yeah, so there's this professor at Harvard Business School who went to this Chinese restaurant and ordered roughly fifty three dollars worth of food. I think there was an exact number fifty three dollars and thirty five cents of food. Yeah, in case you're wondering, he ordered shredded chicken with spicy garlic sauce, sautéed prawns with roasted chili and peanut stir-fried chicken with spicy what is that capsicum i don't know what that is i don't know braised fish fillets napa cabbage with roasted chili and that's it sounds like he has good taste it's a lot of things too so hopefully he had more than one person with him or just more than just him but so he gets this like i said 53 dollars 35 cents he gets home notices he got overcharged by one dollar on every single item wow and we'll have to link the there's a email thread that goes back and forth between the two of them which we won't go in full detail but it's pretty it's a pretty good read but if we can i i hopefully i would just put the image in i don't know if we have the rights to it we'll see well it's kind of long too so we'll see but the business writes back as it should you know they're apologizing saying basically to get to the point they said he didn't really overcharge them the menu items on the website were off by a dollar they'd since updated it but despite that, he, he would give them the $4 refund for the four items because it was overcharged by a dollar on each thing. This wasn't good enough for this Ben Edelman. And hold on. Technically, the restaurant didn't offer the $4 refund right away. The restaurant's first response was, I apologize about the confusing <laughs> confusion. I think that's what he meant to say. Our website prices has been out of date for quite some times. I will make sure to update it if you would like. I can email you an updated menu sent from an iPhone. So he obviously didn't put much thought into this. And then after this guy's Harvard professor, Ben Edelman, he responded for, you know, with his response, then they offered a refund. Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm skipping over pieces because there's a lot of stuff back and forth. It is a, like 10 emails for sure. It's, a, it's an important point though, but so then he gets into this whole legal argument, how under Massachusetts law, you can't advertise one price and charge something. And I think that's where the restaurant owner says, you know, we technically didn't overcharge you. The items were just listed wrong, but we'll still give you the refund anyways. And he says, you know, according to the law in Massachusetts, you actually have to give me three times what the difference was. So instead of $4, I need $12. And it just goes back and forth. He at one point tells him he reported them to the authorities. I've already referred this matter to applicable authorities in order to attempt to compel your restaurant to identify the consumers affected, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> kind of the tone of 
all the emails he sends. It's very serious. It looks like a, something an attorney would write back and forth to people over some sort of serious matter. The only problem is this is about a $4 overcharge. It just seems a little bit ridiculous. If this was me and, it, and I found out it was $4 difference, I probably wouldn't even do anything. I mean, I, I might say something. I don't know. I, I probably wouldn't though. I would probably just brush it off and figure that at some point down the road, I'll get undercharged $4 somewhere and it all evens out. That's kind of my philosophy on this, but he goes back and forth with this restaurant owner. And like I said, we'll have to link this because it gets pretty ridiculous on the things that <laughs> some of the things that this guy says. Yeah. I mean, and they start focusing on the website and then I'm about to go on a rant here, but I, I, I guess I, I guess might as well start some somehow somewhere. Okay. So first of all, it's very clear without a doubt that any attorney that's reading this exchange of emails that this guy is not practicing. I mean, in the sense that he's saying stuff that it doesn't make any sense. You know, as an attorney, as a practitioner, you always have to be looking at end result and objective here. And this guy obviously doesn't seem to have an objective besides getting his $12 and making a fuss out of, out of things. But let's put that aside for a moment too. You know, as, as an attorney, I, Matt, I'm sure you, you kind of have this kind of same thoughts when you're out in the world and you come across things and any times where you're not treated the way that you're supposed to be treated, whether it's through customer service or whatever, you do have a legal hat on, you know, you put it on and you're thinking like, oh, you know, this, they're breaking the law here. This is unjust or whatever. What am I going to do about it? But the difference between us and this guy is that we, we don't take it to the nth degree. Another thing is that this attorney is unfortunately classic of what is at risk to businesses throughout the United States is that this attorney is obviously the stereotypical, ridiculous lawyer type that you would see on TV like Better Call Saul, you know. But the problem is that this is actually very common. And even for the silliest minor thing, this is going to happen. Now, the question is, how did this business owner respond? And that's why I wanted to clarify that his first response was not like, OK, let me give you the four dollars back, which that's what it should have been. But instead, he kind of said, okay, let me give you the updated prices. And then that's when it kind of escalated. And then even down the line, when he asked for $12, uh, $3, sorry, I will honor the website price and honor you the $3. Then he comes back. He's like, no, I don't want that. But it'll be $4.12 and back and forth. And it's like, just give him the money and this would have been done. Yeah. At first, the restaurant didn't offer a refund. And, you know, that's, that's kind of a common thing if you work at a, a business, especially a restaurant that, the view is the customer's always right. So in this instance, I'm just thinking what I would have done. If someone would have wrote this to me, I would have refunded him the $4. And even if he came back and said, oh, actually, I need triple, I probably would have said, yeah, the $12. That's, I mean, <laughs> it's not going to make or break me. And especially the amount of time that's spent, the guy who's complaining spending way more time than the restaurant, because I think a lot of the restaurant responses are pretty short, sent from, possibly even sent from their phone. Yeah. So it's... You know, they're not spending a ton of time, but it's still time. And it's still, you can make that you know, $8 difference up pretty easily. But the guy who's complaining can make that $4 difference up. I'm still definitely siding up the restaurant in this in this situation. But it's, oh, yeah, for sure. It's kind of ridiculous. And and you make a good point, too, how, you know, it's, it's very difficult as an attorney to not think from a legal perspective and anything that happens. But yeah, I would never... I would never say these things in person or even put these things in writing. It's just so over the top. It kind of reminds me of, you know how when, when you're a business selling stuff online and if you sell something that's not tracked 
and the customer says they never received it, right? What do you do? Because on one hand, the customer could be lying to you, but on the other hand, you still have a business to run. And even, even if the customer is doing that, you kind of just need to give them a refund or ship them another product that is tracked because the worst case scenario is that they start blabbing their mouth on the internet, just like this guy and, and kind of puts your business in a false light. Now, then again, I don't think the business is losing out on this. I mean, I think every business owner can sympathize with somebody that hasn't updated their website in a few years with their prices. But that's one reason not to put prices on the internet, but different issue. For restaurants, you kind of have to... Yeah, you have to put your menu up, but then you have to update it, right? Well, you don't go to Yelp, but when I go to Yelp and I see... Nobody goes to Yelp anymore. It's done. <laughs> it's done. It doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> well, if this, guy, if this guy uses Yelp, then it probably will be over because they'll probably just stop dealing with him. He actually did the same thing to another or similar thing that I stumbled across in 2010. Are you serious? Yeah, about a company that wouldn't honor his Groupons that he had. Um, oh, gosh. So it's another exchange back and forth. He just handles it. And I mean, this is something that all of us have dealt with at one point or another. But it's how you handle it, right? Businesses, whether intentionally or unintentionally, make these mistakes all the time. You know, whether something breaks and you need to return it, you go through these customer service and so forth. And, and as lawyers, we have the advantage of using the law and understanding the law to our advantage to be able to get what we deserve. But then taking it to the nth degree and, and making a spectacle about it and, and getting on your moral high horse as if you're fighting the fight, so to speak, I just think it's too much, right? Yeah, it definitely is. And this other one that happened a few years ago is probably worse from both sides. What is it? He handles it worse, and the restaurant handles it pretty poorly as well. What, what, what happened? Well, I didn't read the whole thing, but basically there was a couple Groupons that he tried to use, and the restaurant's saying it's not valid for their prefix menu. Is that what the, you know what I'm talking about? I have no idea. Just like a, a set menu, like a special sort of thing. You'll see it a lot for like a Valentine's Day prefix. Yeah, so he was trying to use it for that. The restaurant wasn't allowing it. He's reporting them. <laughs> they basically say, good luck and get out of here. Yeah. And by the way, those laws that, that Massachusetts law about trouble damages or triple damages for basically charging something else other than what's marketed or advertised is, is pretty much in every state that I know of. And I think there's also some federal laws that may apply as well. So, I mean, what sucks about it is that on, on one hand, he, he's probably right from the legal perspective, but more the reason why the restaurant should just pay him the 12 bucks or should have just paid him the $4 right away. In fact, that's what I would do. I would just pay him the $4 and then if he wants to pursue the rest, then he can go ahead and do so. The smart move would just be say, hey, we'll uh, give you give you store credit or we'll give you a free thing. And then he's coming back because he's going to spend way more than the $4 or the $12. So then you're actually making more money off of it. In fact, that's the general rule. Like if you complain at all, usually... Uh, restaurants especially will give you something for free. You don't really need to escalate more than that. I haven't paid for a meal at a restaurant in years. <laughs> I can always find problems. He did issue a, an apology on his website, which is a couple sentences. The last one being, I reached out to Ron, Ron, Ran. I reached out to Ran and will apologize to him personally as well. So I guess he reached out to him, but also will apologize to him. I don't know what that means, but it sounds like he either may have lawyered up or maybe got a marketing company on his side on how to deal with this. So ridiculous, but 
yeah, I don't know. But frankly, this is why I hate attorneys. They're just horrible, horrible people. We spent enough time on him, so let's just move on to the question of the day. Okay, question of the day. At what point can I make my employees clock out but take care of non-work activities at the office? What kind of non-work activities are going out at the office, I wonder? Non-work activities... Breaks and lunch, I guess. Yeah, I'm looking at it from the perspective of someone's clocking out for the day and then they still have to take care of other things before they can leave. We talked about this a long time ago. Well, I don't know how long ago. A time ago uh, about the the Amazon case, which actually just got decided in the Supreme Court. Actually, was that? Yeah, it was Amazon. How are they making their employees clock out at the end and then go through a rigorous security, like up to 30 minutes at times, right? Yeah. Because they don't want people stealing things. And we talked about it. And this was, I think when we talked about it, it was right after the ninth Supreme Court decision and it was appealed from there. And I think the ninth circuit said that the employees needed to be paid, especially if, you know, 20, 30 minutes. Was it 20, 30 minutes total or? Yeah, I can't remember exactly, but it was still a significant amount of time. The Supreme Court, and at the time we actually thought that it wasn't fair. I think, well, I don't want to speak for you, but I thought it wasn't fair to the workers who had to stay there an extra 30 minutes. Well, I think we both predicted that the courts would find that the employees, we we, we applied the standard that employees were under the control of the employer at the time, and it was for the benefit of the employer, and therefore the employee should be paid for that. And of course, that's the conservative opinion, but... Uh Uh-oh, we ended up being wrong. Well, at least according to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court held that the time spent for screening was not compensatable time. Applying the precedent, the court noted that the compensatable period during the workday stops once the last activity that is integral and indispensable to the job's principal activity is performed. So in this case, the principal activity for which the employees were employed was retrieving and packaging goods in the warehouse. So once that was over... That's where the cutoff was. And anything after that, which would be the screening, was not integral and indispensable to their primary activity performed, if people can follow that. (laughs) I saw that part, and I wish I read the entire holding, because this was a unanimous finding, by the way, by all all the justices. So there's no ambiguity as to what the law is in this regard. And, and this is a big win for Amazon, I would say, but I don't know, just, there seems to be something off about that, right? Perhaps if the, the lines at the security were a little bit more efficient, then it would make sense. But I think that what, what made it more of an issue is that it would take a while to get out without that, then maybe this one wouldn't even be a topic. I mean, all they have to do is kind of just stagger even a couple minutes, just stagger the way people clock in clock out you know you start at 7 705 710 and then at least that way because how i'm imagining it is you know it hits five o'clock or whatever time they leave and everyone just rushes to the exit to get their screening and leave so if people that get there last are stuck in line exactly going back to the question right at what point can i make employees clock out but take care of non-work activities at the office it seems like non-work activities, whatever that means, that definition has been expanded a little bit by narrowing it to being it being indis- integral and indispensable to the job's principal activity, quote unquote. I would think if they clocked out and then they have to copy some things, that's still going to be part of their principal activity. But what if they, I guess here, an example I just thought of, what if they clock out and then have to wash the coffee mug that's there or something? And that's, it's not integral to their 
principal activity, but maybe it's something they have to do. I, I don't know. It's <laughs> and it's part of their job requirement. It's just a policy in the kitchen that says you have to wash your stuff after you use it. Like, and and the problem is, is that like that question will never be answered because it's so insignificant how much time it takes to clean a mug. And anything that is significant, like if they had to do all the dishes, then it seems like, okay, well, then that, then that should be obviously included because it's obviously important for the employer to, for that to occur. And it seems like that's part of your job description and principal activity to clean dishes, right? Yeah. So I don't know. Unless you work at a restaurant. Yeah, that, that changes things. But yeah, that's a Supreme Court decision. So you have to follow it, Amazon employees. You don't have to. People break the law all the time. No, no. You have to. I would just advise these employees just to steal things then if they're not getting compensated. Thir- steal 30, <laughs> mi- 30 minutes worth of stuff. Exactly. Or instead of doing 30 minutes worth of stuff, you can just save your time. And after like six months, you can steal something big twice a year. Let your time accrue and then you could just take something like a drone that they have. Keep good records of that though. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for joining us on this long Monday episode where we get to make, make fun of attorneys. And also be wrong once in a while with our predictions with the Supreme Court. They're wacky over there. Yeah, it happens. Keep it sound. Keep, keep it. Don't take my line. Keep it sound. <laughs> keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.